Welcome back to another great episode of Comedians in Bed. As always, I have another good guest here with us today. Man, once I heard he was in Ohio and I missed the show, I was very, very sad. So I was like, you know what? I got to bring him on the podcast here today. He's a very funny, talented guy, man. You want him to know who you are. Um, And we'll get into that a little bit later. But right now, his special is blowing up on the youtube right now we got him on here today please everybody give it up for dwight simmons thank you thank you my man i appreciate you having me what's Uh, going on man i am chilling man uh i'm in ohio a lot so don't uh okay yeah yeah, i'll be back are you close are you close to ohio yeah i'm in indianapolis so okay i'm in cincinnati a lot a lot i know you got your cincy shirt on repping yeah Uh, yeah I got the Go Bananas logo. That was unintentional, okay. but that's Cincinnati too. We both rep in Cincy. Uh, but yeah, man, I, it's one of my favorite states to go to because it's, you know, two hours away from my house. Out the yeah. door, in the door, two hours. So I dig yeah, it. Yeah, I've never made I never made my way up to uh to uh Indianapolis to hit comedy yet. I don't know what I'm waiting on, man, but I will be there soon. Yeah. Be there soon. Be there you soon. Are, you, are, you a, are you a Colts fan? All day, yeah. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> it's uh it's a tough subject because I know we're in a football season, but it was a rough off season, especially when you have a owner who is just the most insane person. He's like <laughs> he a has, comic book villain, dude. He has the personality of someone who like lives in New York. He's like he starts a lot of trouble for someone in Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like uh he's like the villain. From like the Superman comic, he's like yeah, the, uh, again Doctor Doom. But yeah, man. Unfortunately, I'm a Colts fan. We're gonna be without Jonathan Taylor for at least four weeks. Where I will, I don't know. Do you follow? You follow yeah. football? You follow sports? Yeah. Do yeah, you? Yeah. I am a psychopath, so I let it affect my mood for a couple of days. Uh huh. So I'm gonna have a lot of rough Mondays. This week. <laughs> you know, I'm uh I'm in Columbus, Ohio, and uh I'm a Buckeye fan. And, you know, uh, after I think about Trestle left, I was like, I'm too young for my blood pressure to be this high. I'm just not going to care <laughs> that much. Like, I don't really think – I don't know if we're going to beat the team up north, and I really don't care. Like, yeah. I, kinda, I really want – I kind of want Ryan Day to be gone. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that – that's messed up. That's being a true sports fan. Yeah, you yeah. want to fail for the right reasons. Yeah, but it's like we we just I can't I don't know if everybody feel this way, but I feel like I've accepted him just because you know Urban was like he's he's next in line. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he, I don't know if he really grasped the concept of like right. They care. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> like you can't lose it up twice in the and then like growing up in the 90s, like Michigan used to just wipe us every year. So then now we starting to win. It's like we don't want to go back to that. And it's like, dog, like two years in a row, we got spanked, dog. Like you gotta right. go. Like you gotta go. Yeah. Man. Yep. You cannot have it happen. That's when uh we would go back and forth with the Patriots every year in the regular <laughs> season, but they would end up winning the Super Bowl. I hate the Patriots just as much as I hate Michigan because I'm a Dolphins fan. So <laughs> Ooh. y'all look good this year though yeah keep, man. Uh, keep that qb upright but i know man i know i know that that's 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 scary he's dumb i would have retired, I retired. <laughs> it's like you got you got to pull the andrew luck which thanks for bringing that man. up but, uh, <laughs> jesus he hasn't he, even thought about coming back <laughs> no my man's 114 pounds <laughs> got a full beard 
He's in the does woods. He, does he still live in Indy? Uh, people see him around. I don't know where he lives. I, he might live in the woods of upper upper New York yeah. somewhere. Just <laughs> I don't know. He's like a he's always he was always like a weird character anyway. Yeah. Which I liked. Like he read calculus books for fun, and then, <laughs> then you get this man on the football field, and he's a tank running over linebackers, and then he yeah. wonders why he's hurt all the time. But yeah, 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 y'all haven't been the same since. But Anthony, Anthony looks good, so that, that looks very promising. Black quarterback you... in Indy. <laughs> that... <laughs> they what? We <laughs> unstoppable. Do you go? Are you like a season ticket hunter? Do you go to games a lot? No, I mean, I go to games. I go to like one or two games a year. Uh, but, you know, I travel full time for comedy. So yeah. it is tough. Even the idea of being a season ticket holder is tough yeah. to broach, you know, because we're always we're always planning six to eight months out. So you're like, oh, I'm going to be in Minneapolis. Uh, yeah. It's going to be hard to be back in uh, be back home for that Sunday 1 p.m. kickoff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just want to you want to maximize time at home too. As a I'm a married dude with two dogs, so get off the road. Got to see my lady. Got to got to hug the puppies. So <laughs> I actually did comedy with a couple people from Indianapolis. Man, you guys got some strong ones out there. I did a, a don't tell show with uh, David Brooks and uh, Alex Price. Yes, homies. Yeah, homies. Man. Was that the don't tell in Columbus? Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Man, those shows are amazing. I've done a bunch of don't tell shows, but those like nationally, they recognize as some of the best run don't tell shows um, in the country. And I see why. I see why y'all really got it together out there. But I love my dudes, uh, David Brooks and Alex Price. Indianapolis is in a good s- spot right now with a lot of really strong comics. And that's mm-hmm. not always the case, as a lot of people get really good here and move you know what i mean like indianapolis is a great place to come and uh cut your teeth uh sharpen that sword and then move to a bigger scene but it seems like when we got helium we got helium comedy club here a lot of people have stayed just because you have a little bit more opportunity you can get and get headline opportunity on uh, off nights and the independent scene is uh, it just continues to get better. So we're in a strong place. Did you guys feel any type of way when uh, Mike Epps put his comedy club in Detroit as opposed to Indianapolis? Uh, no, not really. I mean, you look at the demographics of um, Indianapolis versus Detroit and the pure density of those cities. Indianapolis already has two comedy clubs. Uh, so just from a competition standpoint, uh, I know, man, Detroit has a bunch of comedy clubs too, but they have enough people to support that many clubs. Whereas yeah. Indianapolis, everything needs to be a little bit more concentrated. But uh, Mike Epps is a hometown kid. I mean, I think he's coming here to film a like home improvement show or something. This dude, okay. uh, <laughs> he was coming back and forth uh, and he got arrested in the airport because he forgot that he had his gun with him. Mm-hmm. and uh you can't do that mike you can't do that you might be able to do that in la but you cannot be a black man and then show up in the airport <laughs> with your gat with your desert eagle so uh, he's from here but it, it seems like he's forgotten a little bit 
Yeah, man. No, I definitely <laughs> understand. I love this new his last special that uh he filmed, especially uh the theater that he filmed it at. It was a real I like the whole setup. Oh yeah, yeah. He had the mayor there. That was wild. Yeah. Is the mayor really cool? Like I mean, he pops up, he pops up places. <laughs> he pops up places. He'll yeah. be at like uh yeah, like we Kurt Vonnegut's big here. So he'll be at like those readings, like special readings. He'll be at like any TV taping or um yeah, anything. He'll just randomly pop up at a comedy club as wild. Okay, that's what's up, man. Our mayor's not as cool like that anymore. He's starting <laughs> he's starting to show his face after COVID starting to happen, but yeah, only for bad things, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I really wish he wasn't our mayor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. my, that's my yeah. quick gripe. <laughs> I want everybody to get fired. If you work in Ohio <laughs> in a position of power, Todd needs you gone. They suck, man. They suck. Oh, uh, now by the time this airs, uh, Less Fest will have already passed. Is that okay. like the biggest festival that you guys um, have down there? Because we don't have one here in Columbus. So is that like the biggest one? And then like, what are like the ins and outs of um, the festival in general? You know, like putting something together like that because it's still pre uh, like pretty young, I believe. Yeah. So I have, if I might have the history messed up on this as I'm not directly involved with it, but uh let's fest started in fort wayne which is about two hours north of indianapolis that's where that whole conglomerate of let's comedy comes from they put on independent comedy shows uh throughout the midwest uh they moved the festival here this year and got some pretty big name headliners uh some really i think it's going to be a really fun time i think they have a great team working on it so as far as scale, I think it's the biggest that Indianapolis particularly has had. And, you know, in the summer, there was uh, also a new festival called Middle Ground Comedy Festival, which I got to be a part of. And uh, the thing with first time festivals is like you're still you're figuring everything out, figuring everything out logistically. Uh, I help run Limestone that's in Bloomington uh, every year, and that's been going on for 10 years. So. I think even with a decade of experience, all, something always pops up at you because once the first show starts and once people's like, it doesn't end until, oh, let's say it starts on Thursday at 4 p.m. It doesn't end until Sunday at 10 p.m. So as a producer, you're just always going. But as a performer, it's fun to just take it in, see all these different comics from different scenes and then kind of just take in the... um the spirit of whatever city you're in, you know, mm -hmm. does it make sense? Like I've done a bunch of festivals when I did the Memphis comedy festival it was my first time there. Um, it was just a cool way to like check out the city because you're with, uh, you're with like 35 other like-minded people comics. And there's not really any other space, at least in the Midwest and the South where you can do that and just have a weekend. It's like, a I don't know. You ever go to camp as a kid, Mm -hmm. you know it feels like comedy summer camp that's what <laughs> kind of cool man yeah 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 well how's the buzz with uh less fest being in indianapolis because um i didn't know like anything about it so like to hear that first time in indianapolis and i yeah. know one of the headliners is joining summers so um uh -huh. um like it obviously you guys are doing big things like what's the buzz like are you guys excited for it to be in indianapolis uh 
I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but mm-hmm. I'm always excited to see cool shit happen in the city. I started when cool shit never happened in the city, and it seems like it's happening more and more. And these are independent producers. So for them to put on something that is this size, this scale in this city with the confidence that people are going to come out, I think just shows how Indianapolis has grown as a scene, not just comic, like not just for comics, but also audiences mm-hmm. trust that even if maybe you don't know a comic that's on the show or don't know a headliner, you trust that the brand is going to put on good shows because you've been to those shows before. And I think that's really important, especially with like uh, someone like me who headlines a bunch, but I don't have like a national name or national recognition working with people that have good reputations. They trust me with their audience. And I think that is a great way to do comedy. Like we just talked about how the don't tells are so good. Their entire model is you're not going to know who's on the show, but you can trust that it's going to be good and fun. And so I think that's sort of the new wave in comedy right now. So Indianapolis is definitely writing that. That's what's up, man. I'm I'm happy to hear about that because I like don't know anything about the scene besides like you guys have comedy clubs being there. Now, as you no. did mention, you were talking about um being the co-director of Limestone Festival. I actually learned about it not too long ago from a previous guest that we had on here. Shout out AJ Grill. Um yeah. talked about being on there. What does a co-director do for um a comedy festival? Well, uh, <laughs> you familiar with the term utility knife? <laughs> you gotta be, <laughs> gotta be able to do everything, man. Like social Bing media, <laughs> the sound drop. <laughs> oh man. Uh, you gotta be able to do everything, man. Like, um, so submissions start in January. So putting them out in social media answering any questions people have about submissions, um, you know, talking with the other directors about what headliners we're going to bring in, uh, doing the final cuts, putting lineups together. So we have 40 shows over the three days. Mm. And, you know, we're, we're trying to, you're basically in logistics Mm. leading up to the festival and your social media manager and your, um, a therapist and your uh, all these different things. And then once the festival starts, you are a problem solver, your show producer, you are a runner. Like this year I had to go several places and get like drop off ice because the venue ran out of ice, stuff like that. Like making sure places have water, making sure that comedians know where they can eat. And uh, yeah, that's really like, it's cool, man, because it's it's so much work, but the payoff, especially if you can create cool experiences for other comics, and I think we have a reputation of doing that, uh, it means a lot, especially to me, because when I do a festival, I want it to be good. I don't want to have to like worry about all these things. If I have a question, it's important to have it answered, because um, I've done festivals where it's not that. And you're like, they really didn't give a damn. They they just threw us to the wolves. Like, I want the audiences to have a good time. I want the comics to have a good time. And I want uh, the city to just feel a little different after a couple of days. Like, oh, yeah, we just did that. Uh, That's my job as a co-director is to just try to make sure everyone's happy and everyone's set up for success. 
So you just do everything. Just do everything, everything, man. We got <laughs> we got three of us. Like, like every nobody does everything, but we right. help each other do everything. So uh, AJ AJ was bragging about like how it was the best festival in uh the US, uh comedy wise. And I didn't know that, not because um it's irrelevant or anything like that. I'm just now getting new to joining uh you know, doing uh, festivals and whatnot. I'm still young in the game. Yeah. So, like, when you are applying for, like, festivals, what exactly are you guys looking for? That is a fantastic question. I wish more people asked it before they sent in their <laughs> submissions, man. Like, we, why, tell me why we got 10 submissions of people just reading jokes on their couch. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you think you don't have to say it, but you have to say all this stuff. Uh, it's funny, like on our submission page, we have a lot of information on what we're looking for. Uh, just because we've been doing this so long, we try to cover all the bases. And even with that novel of tips and stuff like that, we still get some really bad submissions. Uh, what sucks is that we get a lot of great submissions that don't make it in, but the things that can help you you know, improve your chances of success are follow the rules. So we're looking for five to seven minutes of a video, uh, not four minutes, not four minutes, 30 seconds, not eight minutes and, you know, not 27 minutes, which someone sent in. It's like, you didn't even try just five minutes clip. We need a hot set. So this year we had, you know, close to 500 submissions and we're taking 40 people. So set's got to be hot. It's got to be hot. Uh, got to be able to see you. Got to be able to hear you. It doesn't have to be studio quality, but got to be able to see you. Got to be able to hear you. And then we want true uniqueness, true, um, you know, creativity, be a pro. Uh, don't use people use stolen jokes all the time in these clips. like, Matt, the other the other co-director, has been doing this a very long time. So have I. Like, I grew up watching stand-up comedy. If you do an Eddie Murphy joke, I'm going to know it's an Eddie Murphy joke. You know what I mean? Uh, so no solo material. Um, and then just, I always tell people to ask someone else to watch their set, like their tape before submitting, mm -hmm. just to see, like, if it's strong. I don't. <laughs> ask someone you trust don't ask your auntie be like auntie what you think of this she might be honest with you <laughs> she might be like boy you the funniest she might just gas you up so i can't with the drops <laughs> oh, i love it so much uh and then just you know matt and i talk about this on our podcast it's a comedy advice podcast and it's basically for three or four months leading up to submission season, what you want to do is be working on that five to seven minute set and then taping it all the time so that you have it a bunch. And this is a tip that I got from someone who does a lot of late night. So what he does is he prepares a set that's like five to seven minutes, does it over and over and over again, perfects it, and then sends that tape into the bookers. And you should treat a festival the same way. Don't just be like, oh, the deadline's uh, January 31st, so I'm gonna I'm gonna record on the 28th, I'm gonna edit it on the 29th, and I'm gonna send it send it in one take. 
you actually have to give a shit. So that would be, <laughs> that, would be the, that might be the most important piece of advice. <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to be real picky here. So when you say yeah. five minutes, because I just thought about my submission tape. So, so when you say five minutes, because so, like if you have a five minute set, like yeah. you don't want to run the light. So mm-hmm. is it like, a grace with five minutes like 455 or is it just strictly five does it have to be like five just a yeah. video five minutes or five minutes of me telling jokes and then like a couple seconds of me like walking off like ah no I want, yeah i want yeah that. that's yeah. <laughs> it's like if you're thinking about these things you care enough to <laughs> do a good submission tape like yeah yeah we're not gonna penalize you for like 457 um I always say start the tape, you know, as soon as possible. So, like, maybe your intro, like, them bringing you up to the stage and then you taking the mic. If it's the first 30 seconds is the intro, you walking to the stage, taking the mic out, uh, setting the mic down, and then being like, how y'all doing? That's the first 30 seconds. You're not getting in, man. It's just like, you got (laughs) to... You got to start immediately. Like every yeah. second counts. Five minutes is not that long. So I know like a lot of people film at open mics. So just when it's your turn, just get on stage, shake his hand, and then get into it like in the first uh, five to 10 seconds. It really helps. Yeah. Yeah, it really helps. No, that, that makes sense because I felt like I did. I did. I have been submitting for festivals, and I know once mm-hmm. I get the email and it's long, it's like, all right, don't read the rest. <laughs> you know, so it's like, but like less fast. I didn't know how like big it was, but I just submitted because I was like, I haven't submitted in a while. Just you know, don't want to lose this this consistency, this muscle. So let's just do it. Yeah. And when after I did it, I was like, the first thirty seconds, it was weak crowd work and it wasn't initially like crowd work i was really genuinely asking somebody if they was okay and i was like that's yeah. probably why like you yeah. know what I'm saying? like because i'm taking it probably not i wouldn't even keep paying attention and you know and yeah. nobody was laughing so it just kind of seemed like a conversation so but yeah. i ran the same set a couple days later but the crowd just they just their energy wasn't and i was like uh so when yeah. you're when you're taking into account watch somebody's video is it the crowd's reaction as well or are you just not not totally focused on that and just like how they write how they perform and their presence and things like that it's taken into account it's uh definitely taken into account but it's not the main thing it's not like a top tier thing really your joke writing and presence is the main thing and we can tell if maybe the crowd is small or just not giving it to you now, if you're crushing, it is so helpful to have, you know, that like constant laugh track going. And this is why I say film every time for a couple months because you'll catch a hot set. You know, if you wait until the last minute and send in something that's mediocre, it sucks. Or maybe you had to do like some weird crowd work and it messed you up. Um, that's another thing. It's like don't send in crowd work because festivals want to see your real what what can you do what can you replicate at the festival we're not booking people for the festival to do crowd work and can, can, not, can, can, yeah. can you say that again Bing bong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not booking people for the festival to do crowd work <laughs> got it yeah. got it you <laughs> yeah. said say it again for note the people to, in the back <laughs> note to self <laughs> yeah because it's not like 
it's not repeatable for every audience. Every audience right. is going to act different. But if you, if we can tell that you've worked a set, that means more than, oh, you had this funny thing happen on stage once. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely understand. You uh, mentioned, uh, so by the time this, this comes out, they'll hear about it, get ready uh, yeah. for it. So uh, just to give people an idea of like, when uh submissions open like fee wise i know like maybe you might not have that in stone but just based on like past um you know how you guys yeah. in the in the in the past like uh when should people like expect it and how much should it cost yeah so for limestone it typically opens the first week of the year so uh, we try to open them by uh, january 2nd sometimes it's like january 4th and then uh, those are early bird, and I believe they're either twenty or twenty-five dollars. And the way that um, we do it, we have a panel, a secret panel um, that comes to the festival. It's always different comedy bookers, industry from around the country, so that we get a good cross section. Uh, I'm not on the panel that reviews. I'm just the guy that helps give advice uh, to people, like. Um, but we get a good cross section, uh, and I think it really shows with our lineup, uh, our diversity within the lineup, uh, which is something that we pride ourselves in because we are in Indiana and 80% of the submissions are from white dudes. <laughs> and so statistically, um, you know, we have to take into account and reach out to, uh, minority groups so that we have an actual representation at the festival and not just uh <laughs> martinsville indiana <laughs> um yeah so the first uh week of the year in january which means like in november start start working on that set and then by i think they go until march and they go until March. So you'll have a good window before the actual deadline to submit. And then by then, you should have a tape that you feel comfortable in. All right. Keep that in mind, folks. Uh, yeah. Write that down right now. <laughs> and there's, uh, a, there's a resource. There's, there's, uh, there is a Facebook group on Facebook. That'd be weird if it was on something else. Uh, <laughs> it's a Facebook group on Twitch. Uh, <laughs> it's called uh, comedy festivals and competitions and so many producers list their deadlines there so join that group if you're a comic and just keep an eye on it because that's how i uh, remember like uh yeah. what festivals to submit to and people like <laughs> you can tell what festivals are good because people will <laughs> comment oh i did this last year you should definitely submit or there'll be a festival with like one like <laughs> nobody yeah. will say it publicly but it'd be like ah, <laughs> i don't know about all that yes do do join that because uh I, i'm in that group as well sometimes they'll they'll uh drop like which uh submission windows have opened for the month which i always find mm -hmm. uh very helpful as well um yeah. you did mention that uh you do have a podcast matt and dwight just might podcast uh what do you guys talk about over there so that is a comedy advice podcast for comics in the Midwest uh, that want to travel and get paid and get booked more. We really just 
chop it up and like talk about wins, losses, our own journeys uh, as comics that work on the road as uh, features and headliners. Uh, and then we take questions from guests. So we'll answer questions that are comedy related. So like last week we had one that talked about perseverance versus talent and how things uh, either level out or uh, one surpasses the other. But yeah, it's just good comedy talk. It's deep sometimes. It's uh, fun. Matt's my bud, man. Like we've worked a lot together. So just another way for us to catch up and then talk, talk shop and hopefully help some people get booked, man. Like this is, there's no, there's no roadmap. There's no encyclopedia of ABC. This is how you get stuff. Yeah. This is how you deal with stuff. So, uh, you know, I think it's helpful to talk to people that have been through it and taken those L's and have learned from them and gotten better and then have, like I've been doing this for almost 14 years, so that's longevity. And I think we get there by learning and um, being a, being adaptable, being willing to change. So that's what we talk about, about on Matt and Dwight just might. We just might make it. We just might have a mental breakdown. We, <laughs> it could go either way. We do not know. How helpful would a podcast have been when you started? I relied on, uh, like, Marin, like WTF, because he'd have comics on that I respected, and they he would do these, like, deep dive interviews of, like, their journey, their creative process, stuff like that, stuff like uh, Pete Holmes did kind of did the same thing. So I listen to podcasts all the time. I was also a comedy nerd, so I would go to... Uh, I may age myself here, but I would go to the library, remember? <laughs> uh, and then, like, rent, like, um, there was this one called Road Comic. Mm-hmm. It talk about, it, like, just had 20 different comics telling road stories. I was just, like, fascinated with that. And just, like, should they have, like, an old Chappelle clip where he's, like, you know, if I can make as much money as a as a teacher, which isn't a lot but I would be a successful comedian. And I was like that, it just clicked for me that you could work at this and get there and then go up from there. Right. Uh, right. But yeah, man, as far as like getting booked and like talking to someone that was in my position, it would have been truly helpful. And I think we get these questions all the time. So we just put them in a nice little package for people and you can ask us questions. We don't always know the answer, but we can, we can talk it up. We can chop it up because that's what comedy is anyway, trying to figure it out. And then if we don't know the answer, we just complain about it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to get a Netflix special. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd have three if I if I knew. <laughs> that's funny, man. That's hilarious. And uh, speaking of special, man, yours is right now streaming on YouTube who's the master it got yes, right sir. currently 8.6 but after this interview drop i mean it'll be at 20,000 30 yeah 000, easy 50, you know what i'm easy. saying so <laughs> <laughs> how did you um know that you were ready to drop your special was this your first one this is my first special i've done two albums um i knew that i wanted to do something with video 
instead of doing another album uh, just because of the way that the market's moving. Everybody's, you know, everybody, less people are listening to comedy through audio. It's still happening, but more and more people are just watching easy digestible clips or watching comedy on YouTube. Uh, <clears throat> bringing up Netflix a couple years ago, where they spent the most money ever, like just handing out specials to comics. And it's like, there's obviously a demand for people to watch comedy either online or stream it. So I know I want, I wanted to be in that ether. And as far as the material, it was just time to, um, it's just like an innate feeling you have sometimes. Like, it's just, I was like, it's time to put this into the world. Uh, the jokes felt like they flowed together. They felt timely. And I wanted to film it, get it out in the world so that I could go on to the next stage uh, and it was material that I'm proud of. So with all those factors being involved, I decided to go ahead and um, film it. And it was, it was a great decision. How did you, I, I don't, I don't know how it works. So like, um, I, you know, the, the longer you do it, you, you obviously build an audience, but how did you, it, when you are like, planning the special are you focused on make sure make sure your audience is there or just make sure anybody is there and whichever one like not like comp like not how like confident are you that these jokes are going to land but i feel like sometimes people don't really like pay attention to who's mm -hmm. like going up and yeah. they just go and it's like you should probably look at my stuff first to see yeah. if i'm your type of vibe <laughs> you know what i'm saying like like how do you make sure like uh how do you know like you know the material works but like how do you yeah. know like the audience that night is going to vibe with your 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 set yeah that's it's funny you say that because it's like comedy is the only thing where people don't do research <laughs> you don't just walk into a movie or go to a <laughs> concert without knowing who's playing but comedy it's like a bridal party party will show up and it'll be you know uh ricky gervais and they'll leave offended like well yeah. <laughs> This is your fault, dog. Yeah. Uh, but for me, the part of the special was to start to move out of that so that I can get my own audience. It was less focused on getting my audience, quote unquote, there, uh, just because that's what I want the special to do. I want people to watch the special and then come to my shows because they like my comedy. And I think getting it on video, getting that aspect out there into the world will just help that because that is the dream, man. It's mm -hmm. like, you want people to pay to come see you. And that was the main goal of shooting the special because it is tiring, you know, headlining and like people show up and they're like, ah, man, he did. He talked about race an awful lot. It's like, well, if you look at any of my clips, uh, this is what we talk about, man. We get into it. It's not, I'm not up there with, they want Jeff Dunham. Sometimes they want the, they want the racist puppet. They want, <laughs> they want like the ignorant black comic, which, you know, I can't do anything for you. So hopefully <laughs> people that watched, I can't, I can't I'm not the guy. Uh, I just, yeah, I want people to watch the special and then come see me for me. It's not going to totally alleviate like people going and not knowing what they're getting like 
A-list celebrities go through this all the time. It's like, why did you watch the special if you knew what the material was going to be? Just to be mad. And people are doing that at live shows. So I it's live stand-up is an animal, man. It is it is the most unpredictable thing that a person could do. Like we're masochists. It's crazy that we would do something like this. It's kind of like not do it. Now that I think about it, it's kind of like a drug. It's like before we go up there, we we take our drug and we go up there and we go along for the trip. A hundred percent, man. A hundred percent. But that's the it's that and like endorphin rush of I get to be in control for the next 30 minutes to an hour and it can go sideways, but then I get to test myself to see what I'm really made of. And I've been doing this a long time, especially like I've performed in so many different places and so many different rooms. And I kind of pride myself on being able to do well in a lot of different types of rooms. And that's just through reps and like, when you find your voice, it's hard to keep it if you're always like in different rooms. But if the stuff's funny first, you can at least live with <laughs> having an off night in a bad room. What I can't live with is like punching down to do well in a bad room or like, um, you know, that that's just that's literally the definition of what being a hack is. It's like find your voice. And then be authentic within yourself. And then hopefully you will find an audience around that. Yeah. 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 Were you were you nervous the when you um I mean you have already recorded albums, but were you nervous? Yeah, hell yeah, man. I'm all <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm always I was nervous to get on this uh <laughs> <laughs> you're always a little bit nervous. I think that's just being human, but yeah. with the special, I I felt like it was nervous, but I felt like supreme confidence because I had run it so much. I like I had built up the muscle for the material and like I knew where all the beats were. I knew where the laughs were and I was doing it at my at one of my home clubs, which is the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, which is always just you, you're going to have fun and yeah. it, you're not going to have to worry about nonsense because they do such a good job at that club. So uh definitely nervous you know you could flub a line you could forget chunks um but you know there's different ways to deal with nerves like i don't usually take a set list up but i just wrote down my set list and taped it to the stool so nobody would see it but i didn't even use it but i knew that it was there if i needed it you know yeah, yeah. like be just blanked on something and that's just like a mental thing that you can do anytime, really, just to put yourself at ease. Um, but yeah, man, like nerves come with this. If, if people tell you they're not nervous or they're not having fun, you should not be doing this because you're walking into a, a ring. You're walking into like a cage match. It's like a lion tamer. And <laughs> you should always be afraid to get bit a little bit. <laughs> you, know, you are the professional but you should be a little bit afraid so <laughs> i like how you said notes on stage you're you know you said like you said 14 years in um i don't have a problem with taking notes on stage i feel like if beyonce can tape her track list too <laughs> then what am i you know what i'm saying and i feel like i'm not I, don't, I haven't watched it since but that chris rock special i feel like he had like a monitor like, oh they like, always yeah, yeah, those, so those Netflix like, specials always have 
because they have to have, you know, a one, they have to run the set a couple times. Outside, that one even makes more sense because he just did it live. He did it in one take. So it's like he has to hit all these jokes because every other time he films a special, he's doing it four or five times. So he can be like, yeah. oh, I'll just get it the next one. Not with this. He had to hit everything. So yeah, definitely. You can see him checking the monitor. And I don't have a problem with people taking notes either, uh, especially if you're a pro or if you use it to your advantage. I just don't like extra stuff on stage. Like I like to talk jokes out, and I feel like if I have this set structure for me to rely on, uh, yeah. I'll do that. Like I, had, There was no room for me to be loose uh, within the filming of the special because it mattered. It was actually being filmed, but... If it's not being filmed, I get to just have fun with the bits. Uh, but I wanted these to be very specific in the way that they were ordered and the way that they were presented. So uh, that's why I chose to do it that way. Just like you said, man, I feel like I have a piece of material that I'm ready to like get out there. And the first thing I thought of was like uh, having an album just because it's like a stream of revenue and it's an easy mm -hmm. pop in. But I also wanted to record it too. Um, yeah. And I, I, don't see it as a special. I just kind of see it as like one of those little yeah. 30 minute sets on Comedy Central. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like just put yeah. it out there. Just this is what I have, you know, for right now. Just yeah. to get even really just to get uh like my name out there. And I think that's my biggest fear is like, okay, some people like my stuff online, but are they gonna show up? Like right, <laughs> like, right. That's the yeah. that's my biggest scare uh uh with it right now. And two, I think because I I it's still like honor my sister who like passed away like a couple years ago and I have her oh, name man. on it. So it's kind of like, ah, I don't want it to be like empty. <laughs> right. Right. That's funny. <laughs> so that's what I've been yeah. like, like stressing about. Like, yeah. but I think I kind of like came up with like the set list and everything and I'm finally getting time where I can run it. So I'm like, all right, it's all coming together. So I feel like it's meant to be. Right. Instead right. of like forcing her or anything like that. So anybody who's like putting out their first piece of art out there, what kind of advice you got for that? <laughs> well, don't uh don't get haunted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but I think just do it, especially now, like just definitely film it and record it. Like you can there are so many different ways that people take in comedy like you can get it on Sirius XM you can put it on Spotify and Apple and all those streaming music services yourself for like 50 bucks like it's so easy and what you're really doing is just building an archive for people to go back and look at like yeah. it doesn't have to do numbers right away for it to do numbers overall later like once it's out there, you put it out there. and it, Hey, man, that's a bar. That is a it, bar, bro. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I posted a clip uh, like two months ago. And like last week, it just started blowing up out of nowhere on Facebook. Uh, it's a reel. And now it's got like 940,000 views when it was sitting at like two and a half. Like was, for no rhyme or reason, it just blew up. But that's the way that people take in comedy once you have it out there it just takes one person the right person to share it and then you're off to the races so just do it uh take care like <laughs> make sure it's good don't just do it just to do it 
my first album, I did it too soon. I did it too soon. <laughs> it was like, I was like, I think I was six years in, but really like, I was really like four years in, like four real years. And I just was so excited. Like everybody was recording albums and stuff. And I just didn't have time to like do the reps because it was my first time. It was just like, all right, I know these jokes they don't really go in order but i'm a force them in order and it was just kind of choppy it was just like a bunch a bunch of jokes which is not the type of comic i'm i am uh sit down and write like realistic goals of what you want this thing to accomplish uh and by realistic i mean like do you want to send it to bookers to get booked um do you want uh because like things that you can't control like how many views it gets right off the bat is what I would call a bad goal because that that's like end in focused, like be focused on what you can control. Like I want to sell out this show so that I can get a bunch of people to be like, to be in the audience. And so that it sounds good, focus on stuff like that. Uh, I want to use it to, send to bookers what type of bookers i want like i want a five minute clean set out of this i want like a five minute dirty set out of this i want um a feature set that i can send to like uh showrunners that might headline me for the first time stuff like that uh is very important man like setting those type of goals will help focus your mind on what you actually want this thing to be other than just a piece of content because ultimately it is yours you're going to own it and you're going to nobody's going to care more about what happens to it than you so just take the time take the care to you know actually care about it sit down and write down those goals and then just execute it like everything is going to it's going to feel like everything takes so much research and so much like legwork like oh how do i sell out a show but just ask questions like the information's out there uh, and then just do it. I think everybody should, if they have some stuff that they want to put out because everybody's doing it now. Yeah. So I think that was a big driving force for me, man. It's like people are doing this. Uh, it'll live forever. And yeah, if not now, then I can always find an excuse not to do it next year, but just rip off that bandaid. Yeah. Yeah. One word you uh, dropped earlier was Midwest, and I've mm -hmm. been uh, just really getting this revelation about Midwest comics, I guess. Um, yeah. I feel like it's a great place to do it for the simple fact, because um, if you were to ever go to the West Coast or the East Coast, it's a trip or flight, <laughs> which I'm always a fan of. <laughs> and uh, then I also feel like just... Um, who we are and I like how we're kind of raised in the Midwest kind of sets us apart. Uh, mm -hmm. What have you noticed about Midwest comic as opposed to, you know, comics out West, out East? Or yeah. Ooh, that's a great question, man. I think there's levels to this. Like, so I lived in New York for a few years uh, coming from the Midwest. And the biggest difference was the amount of quality stage time. Um, when you're first starting out, it's much easier to get in the Midwest. You get, you're doing like open mics that are three to five minutes and sometimes seven minutes. It's much easier to get host weekends that pay, um, 
it's than it is to do that in New York, right? Like open mics at clubs in New York are like, all right, you're doing two minutes because we're drawing names out of a bucket. So be ready. There's 60 comics here. So shooting through. So everybody in New that's why everybody in New York yells because they got to try to get the attention of the 60 comics in the room that are looking at their phones. Um, where in the Midwest, you're doing open mics in front of real audiences a lot of times, which is such a difference maker. Like, I don't know how I would have kept going if all my open mics were in front of other comics that didn't give a damn. It's like, it's like talking. You remember Zoom comedy? It's just like talking in the mirror to nobody. And you're like, I just give me the COVID. Just give me <laughs> the disease. This sucks. <laughs> Take me out. Uh, but I think it, I think it is relevant in the way that we develop our sets. You know, it's like you're gonna you're gonna get more callbacks. You're gonna get more flushed out setups and it's you know we can take our time a little bit because we have a few more minutes to work with uh one of the biggest things was you would think being on the coast you'd have the opportunity to work with more quote-unquote headliners or celebrities but it's in fact the opposite like if you're in rotation at a comedy club the chances that you get to host for a big name headliner are much greater and you get to spend all weekend with them. Like some headliners take you out to lunch. You can pick them up from the airport and just have like build this relationship as through conversation and just like I always call it going through the trenches. <laughs> like <laughs> it's dramatic as hell, but like a weekend at a comedy club. It's like, oh, we just went through the trenches together. Uh you get to do that, whereas everybody in on the coast is going from one show to another. It's very hard to get seen that way. But uh, I always tell when I got to host for Neil Brennan, the co-creator of Chappelle show, um, I just got to host for him for a weekend and it's in Indianapolis. And it's like, that never would have happened in New York. It just wouldn't like, unless you were a name yourself. Uh, but I wasn't someone, I was like four years in someone at my level never would have gotten that spot. So more opportunity in that way. Uh, and, and then that's why people move because you get good, you develop your voice, you develop your style. You move with the confidence that I'm going to get things quickly or um, I know what I'm going for. So I'm going to go to the coast or I'm going to get into acting or I'm going to try to become a club regular or stuff like that. But I hope that wasn't too rambly. I didn't no, I was listening. <laughs> ask your question. I Not tend else. to do that. I'm a bit much, Ty. <laughs> no, nah, I, I liked it because I never uh, really, like, asked someone that. I never really thought about it. Like, you know, uh, I've been, I've done show, I've done shows in L.A. and um, never mm-hmm. try to get on, uh, you know, one of those open mics where you got to wait all yeah. the time or anything like that. But it is just different. And I'm as I start to travel more, I just realize how, like, different it is. I haven't done comedy in the South or like yeah. on the coast of the east coast by the atlantic but um i chicago, love I've done chicago yeah i love the south man south is like pretty similar to the midwest it's got i mean it's a whole it's a comedy in general is a hu- hustle culture like it just is like but we all have different ways to hustle depending on where 
you know, uh, where you're based in the Midwest, the hustle is just sending out avails, driving, uh, networking, and the South does a lot of that, man. And everything's connected. Best thing about Indianapolis, I'm two hours away or three hours away from like 12 different cities. Yeah. So, you know, and I think that's a real strength to get in front of as many different types of audiences. It makes you a more versatile performer, which I want to be. I don't want to make everybody happy, but I want to make as many (laughs) people laugh as possible. No, I definitely, I definitely agree. Yeah, it was just something that I noticed. I'm like, dang, there's really a, a difference. But I mean, that's in everything that we do. Yeah. Uh, another, I was like, so yeah, I never asked somebody that before, and I've never done what we're about to do now. I'm about to play this game, which you call this or oh, that, yeah. this or that. I wish I had. Dang, if I knew, <laughs> I just made this up on the fly. If I knew I was gonna do this, <laughs> I would have had like the Price Is Right theme song going on right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, it's just what you need. Another drop. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. This or that. Uh Colts, just as an organization. Colts yep. or the Pacers. Um, why you do this to me? <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard right now. Like forever, forever. If I gotta pick one forever, that's hard. I gotta go, I gotta go Colts. That's tough. You don't lost your damn mind. <laughs> you call me. Uh, really? Uh, the Pacers gonna be good this year too. All right. I know. I mean, you you didn't answer my all time question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pacers should be Pacers should be decent, but we always Pacers never. You know, Pacers run star players out of town just as much as anybody else. <laughs> Like we basically pulled a Jedi mind trick on fans when Paul George left. We basically made him look like a villain, and yeah. now he gets booed for not wanting to be in Indiana. Like <laughs> people had common sense. It's like if you're a multimillionaire, yeah, I'd want to go to L.A. Man, just like, it's just crazy. For sure. All right, cool. The next one. That was tough. That was. Let me see. Let me look this up real quick before I ask. Let me hold on. Cause I didn't know he was from here. So let me just verify real quick. <laughs> <laughs> because that's tripping me out right now. Um was he really born? He really was. All right, cool. Um, all right. This or that. Mike Epps or David Letterman? Uh Letterman. <laughs> I know I know I'm not supposed to say that as a black person, but <laughs> It's David Letterman. That's why I laughed. I'm like, what? <laughs> you weren't expecting it to even be close. <laughs> Stay off the weed. You're too young to have ever watched anything David Letterman watched. Hey, I used to. So I was a Jay Leno guy. I couldn't get into David oh, Leno. God. I just, uh, you would. but I think it was more so like, because I just watched everything on NBC for what reason? I have no idea. Like the local yeah. news. I watch ER. I watch just <laughs> so much stupid stuff on, on uh, NBC. They had the good programming back in the day. I don't know. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. That's what we'll go with. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last one. Uh, Peyton Manning or Reggie Miller? Uh, Reggie. Okay. okay. Reggie. 
Okay. That's like so you know that's part of the the me growing up was prime Reggie time. Mm-hmm. Like we went. The, I remember where I was when he hit that three, the push off against Michael Jordan, the slight push, the slight, <laughs> the slight shove, fully extended, drain that three. I remember where I was, and I remember losing that series. I think I was like, how old was I? I was, I don't know, but I cried. <laughs> I cried. I cried. That shit sucked. It should be like Peyton's gotten. Us, our only championship. That's not true. We got one with the Indiana Fever, the women's team. But uh, Reggie was like, I'll always have that. That's just like nostalgia yeah. pick. And Peyton yeah. had some, obviously, some games. If we would have got one more, I think, might have tipped the scales. But we've had some we've had some uh, long-term. Like, they spent, I think Peyton spent 13 years here. And Reggie spent his whole career here. So, yeah. we've been yeah. lucky. Been yeah. lucky. Hey, y'all, at least I got a sports team. All we got is the Buckeyes. So <laughs> and then growing up, we just had, you know, the Browns, the Cavs, and Bengals. So they just getting good. So yeah, yeah I know, right? <laughs> oh man. Y'all leapfrogging us. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like how the Cavs win one before the Pacers. Like I never would have <laughs> thought that as a kid, dude. Hey man, I, I I lived in a three three zero area code for quite some time in my life. Is it's it's different up there. That's all yeah. I can say. <laughs> it is different up there. Um, but as we start to wrap this up, Dwight, um, what is? Oh, my fault. About to ask you. I'm gonna ask you that next. Um, who is on your Mount Rushmore for comedy? Ooh, that is tough because it always changes because everybody's always putting out new stuff. Um, today it would be, uh, Chris Rock, uh, Wanda Sykes, uh, uh, Richard Pryor and I'm going to, I'm going to go with Roy Wood Jr. Okay. Right now I love, I, Roy Wood Jr. might be the best comic in America today, he is so damn good. Like his last two specials are perfect. It's my type of comedy. Uh, I just think I think by the time it's said and done, people are gonna start putting him on those lists of like all time comics when it comes to stand up. He's that damn good. You might have been the second or first. I, th- I think you're the second person to put him on there, and the second person to actually put. Wanda Sykes on there. (laughs) Did you like? Did you like her last special? Because I was like, I was thoroughly impressed. Not that she got dropped off, but I was thoroughly impressed because I'm like, she's really rolling on the ground. I've never seen her like be so like animated, physical. Yeah, she's been around a long time. Like I love anytime she's in a movie doing a bit part. I love it and. I thought her last special was perfect. I thought it was awesome because everybody wants to talk about those topics she's talking about, but nobody can do it that well. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I thought she was poignant and she's always unique. And I, I've watched it twice, but yeah, yeah, even like her old stuff is so good. And I think she can do a thing that nobody else can do, which is like, I don't like her pacing is just like all time 
it's like she's you brought up being animated but it's like she never breaks a sweat or never breaks a stride she's just like mm-hmm. a distance runner i i really dig <laughs> that so do you like okay i'm gonna do divert real quick do you yeah. do, i mean i i work out but do you suggest comics work out or if you know you're not going to work out just stand still like because you it is, <laughs> you are expelling energy and you are pacing back and forth like i never really thought about that like um i grew up doing choir so okay. like you know they teach you I how to breathe that. from your diaphragm yeah and so um so then is it like kind of the same with like comedy I suggest everybody work out at least <laughs> like every once in a while, like <laughs> go for a walk or eat something green. <laughs> uh, I move around a lot. I sweat a lot and I, I do work out, but uh, yeah, I think, I think people, yeah. Comics, like, I don't know when I have like this trash lifestyle and you just don't have to do that. <laughs> like yeah, Everything yeah. in moderation. You don't have to be nuts. But if you want to be like an animated person, you want to get through the first five minutes of your set without having a heart attack. Like, yeah, I yeah. hate like we all have health problems, but I hate seeing people just let themselves go. It's like, <laughs> come on, man. Come on. <laughs> like, come on. Get a get a Apple watch. Do something. <laughs> that at least beep at you. Tell you to, hey, why don't you walk around for 10 steps or something? <laughs> Besides health wise, uh, what uh, other words of encouragement or advice would you give to any comedian listening to this right now? Uh, keep going. Don't be an asshole, man. Like that's like people talk about getting good at stand up, but also important is being good to your fellow comics, being good to bookers, uh, not overreacting. Uh, being patient, being patient, being patient. Like we talked about submitting to festivals. If you submit to a festival and let's say you get that long rejection letter, like don't go on social media and be like, I'm the best comic. I don't understand this. This is great. Like, do you think other people aren't going to see that? You don't think that's going to like affect you adverse? Like even like gossiping, which I don't like to do because it, one, it's not healthy. And two, it always gets back to the person. Like you don't want to develop a reputation of being hard to work with, difficult, or just an asshole, really. Like if you're, there's so many people that get booked that aren't as talented as funny people just because they're cool. Like, like if you want to get taken on the road, I'm much more likely to take somebody I enjoy hanging out with it's important to be a good hang too. So focus on that aspect. And then I cannot practice patience enough. Like things will come, just stick with it. Um, and then ask for advice. Don't be afraid to ask for advice. Um, don't take it all. Like have some common sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, try, but uh, yeah, man, I, I, especially the finding your voice stuff will come with reps, but I think what people don't tell you is that, you know, being a jerk to people doesn't get you anywhere. So be a good human being as well. Message. Uh, Dwight, tell people why they should listen to Comedians in Bed. Yo, listen to Comedians in Bed with my man Ty because he has the best 
sound drops in the game. The I've never been on a podcast with seven different sound drops. Uh, also, really great questions. I really enjoy them. They're thoughtful. I hate coming on a podcast and they're like, so tell me where you got your start. I was like, yeah. if I got to answer that question one more time. So thank you for putting some thought and effort into it, Ty. I appreciate you. And then he might just make up a new game randomly every week. <laughs> he don't know. My man's a wild card. I have no idea what to expect next. Dwight, man, tell people where they can find you at, man. Uh, DwightSimmons.com. Uh, you can watch my special, Who's the Master, on YouTube. Uh, just type in Dwight Simmons, Who's who's the Master. Uh, and then DwightSimmons.com has all my social media and my tour dates. Uh, got a lot to update. So hopefully by the time this comes out, that will be fully updated. And uh, I hope to see you at a live show sometime. And if you want to watch next week's episode, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel at TYE Comedy. Once again, that's TYE Comedy. Or you can follow us on our Instagram page, which is Comedians in Bed Podcast. We want to thank Dwight for coming on here. Get your videos ready. Go ahead and submit to the Limestone Festival, everybody. Dwight, once again, we want to thank you for coming on the show. Everybody, we'll see you guys next week.